This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland. Good evening and welcome to the September 10th, 2018 meeting of City Council. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, Selena, would you please call Honorable Mayor Donker? Here. Councilman Adams? Here. Councilman Wasbinski? Here. Councilman Brown Wilhelm? Here. Councilman Ranowski? Here. All right, thank you. Um, that takes us to conflict of interest. Does anyone in council have a conflict of interest with anything that's on this evening's agenda? No, Madam Mayor. No. Okay. Moving on. Um, this takes us to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There will be no separate consideration of these items unless a citizen or council member so requests during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the consent agenda as indicated. If there's even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without further motion and considered in its listed sequence in regular fashion. Is there anyone from the public who would like an item removed from the consent agenda? Oh, wait. We have a motion to accept the consent agenda. So moved. So, second. Okay, for second. Now, would anyone like an item removed from the consent agenda from the public? Anyone from council like an item removed from the consent agenda this evening? Yes, Mayor, I'd like item number one removed, the minutes. Okay, anything else? All right, then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, that passes then, 5-0. All right, that takes us to item number one, and Steve, that's yours. Yeah, um, in looking at the minutes in preparation for today, um, I noticed that there was no reference to a lengthy discussion, and I thought several action items that came out of last meeting regarding the road diet. I think it's important and it's a matter of community interest that the minutes reflect in some way uh, that discussion and those action items. So uh, that's why I pulled it off consent. I wanted to have an understanding about how we can, well, I guess, and ask council whether we believe that that discussion or those things should be reflected in the minutes in some way. It, we spent more than half our meeting discussing it. Okay. I, I guess I have some thoughts on that. Go ahead. Um, so we do adopt Robert's rules at the beginning of our you know, two years as a, and use that as our guideline, and we've been following those. Um, and that's an item that says discussion, you know, typically unless there's a motion or an action that's not necessarily that we don't, you know, reference it. We have never referenced it in the past, and it's worked rather well for us. Um, so I don't know why we would change that at this point in time. But also, I think the city manager takes notes and actions, too. So even though it's not officially in the minutes, there is follow-up. So it's not like they're not going anywhere. Right, but I think it's important for us to document what those action items were in a formal manner so that anybody going back, looking through time at the council meetings can look in the minutes, can see when it was discussed, and then follow up. Without it right now, there's no reference to, the, uh, to any discussion whatsoever or any action items. So you're, actually, you're asking to change the policies from what, what we've done in the past because when, do, when, then when we document and when will we not document? I think for the most part when we've had discussions here, 
the action items have been kind of perfunctory. They've been minor in nature, um, especially in any new business items have not been. I mean, you also raised during new business the, uh, you know, having the tridge walk. Right. I mean, that's something that didn't really require any action item. It's more of a notice. In this case, we did have action items, I thought, from uh, during the meeting. Now, if, if, it's, um, if we want to stick the, to the practice we have been in the past and you, you want to insist on or we want to insist as a council on doing as a motion, I'd be happy to uh, bring that, have that brought up in the next meeting just to formalize it in the form of a motion. Okay. Anyone have any thoughts on that? Yeah. The only thing what I would think of, since it was such a long discussion and everything, I could see putting something on for new business, but the only thing that would be on it would be that council discussed the stuff. We wouldn't be going through all the options. In the official minutes with Robert's Rules of Orders, um, what you do is basically say what the resolution is and how the council voted. Um, we didn't vote on anything. Right? We didn't have a We're, motion. We did, oh, that's also a fact, too. So. so there could have been a motion. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's fair. And if that's the case, then what I would like to ask council support of is to bring it in the form of a motion during the next meeting so we have a, a documented uh, minutes on that subject. I think it should be reflected well, in even, minutes. I mean, whether it's, whether it's well, just minutes we or do. we go through the conversation again or the discussion again and, and deal with it in the form of a, a, a motion resolution before us. Right. Even if we do do that discussion and everything, in the minutes all it's going to state is whatever the resolution is and what council voted yes or no. Correct. Just as long as you understand that. I mean, yeah, it's going to be like we do, like we do all the other items. But right now, is, yeah, right now there's absolutely no reference to it whatsoever. Right. I don't think there's any reference to, you know, when we've done that in the past or anything either. But we as council have always held, you know, the city manager or, you know, responsible to get back with us. And they always have. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. I mean, so if there was a discussion that, you know, there was, should have been something, I mean, maybe we should have had it as an agenda item, you know, an agenda. Right, so we can do it as a future agenda item. We, we've all had the discussion ready. It should be a fairly efficient uh, discussion if we do it on the next, at the next meeting. So what exactly is the motion? Well, the motion would be drafted for the... It would, I'm just asking the council support to put the, the discussion and the action items that, were, um, that came out of the last meeting regarding the road die to be put, to put in the form of formal motion and a resolution on the next agenda. And it can be discussed and voted on at that time. Just like we but do we all aren't the really okay, voting we, on anything. We're just saying put it in the minutes. No, right now, just, right. Yeah, we're now, now we're not voting. Yeah, we're not voting on anything. Yeah. But even next Well, week, I mean, ideally, I would have hoped it would have been in the minutes this meeting. Maureen pointed out that we don't put things in the minutes if it's not in the form of a motion. So I'm saying, OK, I think it still should be, re should be documented in some way. So what we'll do is we'll have this, we'll bring it back up at the next meeting, mm -hmm. have a discussion regarding a pending agenda item that will uh, have a motion and a resolution. A motion to put the no, discussion no, not, in No, the it'll be the discussion. It'll be a motion. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the contents will say right now. He just wants to make it an agenda item. I want to make okay. it an agenda okay. item. Okay. So the agenda item would be discussion on such and such and whatever yeah. the resolution would entail what we decided, well, what action well, items we have Well, there forward. has to be, if it's, a, if it's on the, there has to be a, an outcome. Correct. 
Right, so there has to be a formal motion. So then do you have a, an idea of a formal motion that you would want? Um, I'll put one together. But okay, because like, that's just what we like talked about. Other, but it'll be just like every other. We don't know what's on, we don't know what resolutions are for next, the next meeting yet anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, sitting here today, we don't know what, what the, the resolutions are. All right, well, are. as part of our discussion, I, I thought we had talked about, we had talked about that they were going to be coming and presenting to us. Correct. Right, and so why do we, do we have to, you know, have another discussion about that before we have the discussion when they come here. But that wasn't, that wasn't the only thing we talked about, is MDOT coming and presenting. We talked about what are, for example, what are the objectives or the purpose of the, uh, um, of the, uh, of right. the, of the road diet. Uh, we talked about the frequency in which the, uh, the monitorings could be done, mm -hmm. right? And those are things for which I think we could, we could pass a motion or resolution and you know, right now I understand there's, the, there's not a lot of frequency. For example, that would be one thing I would, I would like to bring up in the form of a motion, is to have at least the council's recommendation that the monitoring be done more than once a year. But wouldn't we address that when we get the report when MDOT's here? But then that's just a part of it. Right now MDOT is supposedly, I think from our discussion last time, is only going to, you know, they've already set their, their mind at it. Mm -hmm. What I would like to have is once. They'll have one in September, they'll have another one in May, and then another one will be the following year in May. Okay. So. So then my next question is, if we do this now, does that mean we're setting a precedence to have a motion for every discussion that we have? No. Right. I, no. no. I well, mean, well, I, I, I kind of like your idea. Brad, <laughs> I hate to throw you under the rug here. <laughs> That's but, okay. Um, when do we, when are they going to do the presentation to us? Do we know that yet? Yes. Uh, we don't have a specific date. Our, they are doing their monitoring and the testing and, and checking all of their data points throughout this month, and we are hopeful that it will be here at one of the meetings in October. So they have to compile all of that. They're also compiling all the public comments that they receive at this time as well. So all right. about a month, month and a half out. Okay. That's further out than I thought. So you feel we have to have a discussion prior to the discussion in October? I think we, we ought to have some position of council prior to that meeting in October regarding some of the points that were discussed at the last meeting. Okay. So then if we do this, what does that mean for future discussions like this? If we have just a discussion and we have some agreement with our city manager like we've always done in the past. Um, now I'm looking at you, Jim. as. Thank you, I <laughs> <laughs> the, the issue of discussions, take the road diet off the table for a minute here. The discussions that are generally done uh, formally as, as through open meetings and sitting here dealing under new business are discussions with staff and allowing them and giving them direction to go forward and, and do something. Not, not by motions or resolutions, just by discussions which gives you basically the only opportunity as council to, to have that openness with us. If there is a motion and it's accepted by seconded and gone through uh, a direction of what we're supposed to do, we have to have as staff a firm direction of what we are supposed to do. And, and that's why the week or two weeks before council, the resolutions are painstakingly gone through by Brad and others to make sure that we know what we're supposed to do at the end of a vote, regardless of what the majority vote might be. But 
it sounds through this discussion, and if I can short circuit it, maybe it's just a receive and file short presentation at the next council meeting to say what is coming up and if there's some criteria that is voted on and approved by council as a majority that we want MDOT or you want MDOT to specifically address, that might be the issue other than trying to memorialize formal discussions in the meeting in an informal matter under new business. Because at that point, it would be discretion of staff, whether it be Selena, myself, or Brad, to figure out what would be the prioritized discussion points that we'd we put in the minutes or what we would not put in. It's, it's more of the directions, as, as Mayor, as you mentioned, Brad takes meticulous notes, and if he's supposed to bring something back, he does, or it can be requested as an agenda item if that's what needs to be brought forward. This is coming back in October, and this specific road diet, to put that back on the table, is specifically coming back, but I'm not sure of what was addressed under new business for a direction of the city manager or other staff to make sure they brought something back for the October meeting or the discussions prior to that. So I, I would be hard-pressed to say I would, I would be in favor of memorializing discussions within the minutes. Roberts we use as a guideline, and Roberts specifically says we record what is done in the meeting, not what was said at the meeting. And the only preface we've had in the past on these discussions is that uh, what you say prior to a vote is truly important to your constituents and others, but your vote is what the critical outcome is, and that's what the direction is taken from. So your position prior to the vote isn't generally memorialized at all within the minutes. The vote is. So if we start attempting to put within the minutes the discussion points, then it would develop further into the issues of positioning your positions prior to a vote, which would be extremely difficult and, and frankly very unwise because I don't know where to end it mm -hmm. at that point from the clerk's position or whether we interpreted it wrong or summarized it wrong from your discussion points. New business is just that. New business to discuss, it gives the city manager the opportunity to make some notes and bring it back. And that's worked pretty good. But the motions are generally what is recorded in the minutes. So let me summarize for just a second here. I'm not saying that what is talked about in new business is unimportant at all or doesn't rise to the level of bringing something back, because that is always done. But the memorialization of it within the minutes takes the precedence of the idea of the resolution and the votes for direction on the, the vote itself. Unless Selena, the clerk would like to add something, because I think it would be very difficult to add that to the minutes. Right, and and when you have discussion and conversation, sometimes it, it incorporates a lot of different ideas, which Brad records. But your consent to those ideas isn't taken through a vote. So a few of you may be on the fence, some may be in support, some may be not. But the overall idea that Brad's going to go forward and bring information back collectively you all agree to without a vote. So, you know, I don't disagree with you that this is not important. I mean, that's why the conversation happened. Um, so, but with that said, I mean, if we, to ask for which things do you want articulated and... I, th I thought there were, I thought we had action items arising out of the discussion. Um, if those, and I would like those action items to be documented in the form of minutes. If that requires a motion, then what I would, 
request is that we have a motion that we brought up at the next meeting to capture those action items. Okay. And you have you have your the action items that you feel should be. I don't have. Well, right I mean, because we yes. talked about I mean, that at the meeting, all, we asked. I mean, we, for, we have the benefit of everything being taped, take, so all right. you have to do is go through that okay. through that uh, discussion. I like the idea about the file review. That'd probably be the best way to do it. Um, that way we can discuss it and everything. And I'd take a break, probably go back you know, through the video and everything, find out what action items he thought was on there, and make that as formal resolution. And if there's something different on that, we can have the discussion during that time. Does that make sense? But it's not to add or take away, it's to focus on yeah, we're the not, items we're, we're discussed. Yeah, we're not going to add to yeah. this. Right. Yep. So. It's no, not, not going to be a new discussion all over again. It's just going to be the articulation well, I, I of what mean, I would hope not, but because um, that one went for quite right. a while. Um, so what? Yeah, so, so what, so what so I'm seeing. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. So what I'm seeing is Brad would present the agenda item, would be hopefully next week. Um, and you'd say, we had the discussion, this is what we discussed, and here were the action items that I got from right. the video and everything like that. We can have a discussion after that point if we want to change anything or not. And then basically we'll vote to file and receive. That will put it in the minutes. Okay. Yeah, I'm all well, for having Brad do it instead of me. I, I think, <laughs> if I may, <laughs> just, <laughs> hey, let me just interject on that a little bit. If, if the goal, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting you here, Steve, is if the goal is to say this is the direction um, that, that you as city council are speaking as one voice saying to move forward with, mm -hmm. um, then we actually need a resolution that's more than a receive and file. We're going to have a resolution that says we will provide whatever direction and we'll list it out and, and make it clear. Yeah. That's, the, that's the voice that you speak with as city council collectively and give to us as staff and to the public to let them know exactly what action you have decided to take. Receive and file simply says I brought a report yeah, forward. You receive, you file it, it goes away no action's ever taken to follow that. So we would do that. Um, and, and if I may make one more point, you made the or, uh, asked the question earlier, what happens to our discussions? I think the discussions can continue as they always have. The minutes, we would suggest certainly as, we've, as you've uh, reflected tonight that we only reflect motions that are actions of council, and again, the voice of council through that action um, in the minutes themselves. If you get to a point such as the discussion last week where you want there to be a clarity of the direction that's provided, that would be the time to introduce a motion and have council vote on that motion. Because one of the difficulties I will have, quite frankly, in putting forward a report on what was decided last week is that nothing was decided last week. You collectively had a, had a large discussion. You touched on many points. Some of you had conflicting points of view. Um, and so the only way to formalize that and to clarify that is to put a resolution in front of you that sets all those out, and then you vote it up or down. Um, in front of you. So, so we can do that. An easy way out, if, if you're willing, Ms. Madam Mayor, and I know this is unusual, and certainly I don't want to encourage this frequently, just for the record, but, um, but it might help if, if Steve and I could simply work offline in getting ready for the agenda next week uh, to put together a resolution based on what he believes in the direction so that I'm not missing anything. Uh, and then, again, you will see it when it comes forward, and you either vote for it or you'd vote against it um, next Monday night. That's an unusual I mean, approach. It's a but, short, it's a short it time between this yeah. meeting and next meeting. Well, it's, it's not new material. We've, we've got it all. We've got, the, we've got the videotape of the last meeting. You know, that's what we're working off of. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's, that's not a problem. I think it's something we could do in the next two days for sure. Um, in time for the, 
Huh? Has to be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then we have we have. So to now, have, do we need a motion to? <laughs> no, I, I think at well, this point. Well, can we, <laughs> what, can what, we have? An, is this an agreement then? An unanimous agreement. That this is going to be done, or can we? Do we need a motion to accept the minutes as it, is, and guess, then a new motion? Yes. I don't think you need a second motion. Again, if you give us as staff the direction that we're going to bring something and put it on the agenda, we will take that and we'll put it on the agenda. The motion would be to approve the minutes as yeah, presented last week. So you last just do need an action on that. Item, because so. we didn't approve it during the consent. Right. Okay. You all right with that? Yes. Okay. Then can we have a motion to um, approve the minutes? So moved. Second. Okay. Any more discussion? Okay. <laughs> All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. It passes 5-0. All right. Now that takes us to public comment. This is an opportunity for the public to comment on issues that are relevant to council business but not on the agenda this evening. Is there any public comment? Okay. Seeing none, then we'll move on to item number two, which is, uh, has to do with uh, sanitary sewer study. And Mr. Silva is here to uh, introduce that. since we've been here. We'll talk about sewer. Uh, good evening, uh, Mayor and City Council. Uh, back in June, uh, we came forth with uh, the final draft for volumes two and three, which is the storm sewer and the sanitary sewer uh, technical reports, respectively. Uh, and it did not contain the volume one, which is the executive summary and bridging document to those other two volumes. Um, what was missing uh, from the volume one is we needed public input. And so over the past couple of months, we've been uh, speaking with, uh, with, with the residents, uh, establishing a couple of uh, meetings, and volume one kind of encapsulates uh, that input from the, from the, uh, the public. Uh, so this evening, uh, we have our engineering consultants here, again here with us, uh, you're familiar with, um, and they're going to present a brief presentation uh, because you've, you've, you've heard uh, most of what was in uh, volume two and three and volume one is the is the, the final executive summary and that's what they're going to provide tonight as an executive summary um, your action tonight our recommend recommended action is a uh, receive and file the report so there's no action on the recommendations that are made therein uh, with the expectation that we will be coming back staff will be coming back at a later date we don't have that exact date yet, but in the future, near future, we'll be coming back with uh, the staff's perspective on those recommendations and, and to, uh, to help us uh, get to a de uh, decision on uh, what direction you want to take us. So um, following the presentation, we'll have uh, question and answer time. Um, the consultants will answer as many questions as you have. Um, if if uh, there's some questions that they can't answer, then we'll be glad, uh, staff will be glad to, to come up and help. Um, but again, the, the action is to receive the file. And so now with us, uh, first off, will be uh, Greg Kazvinsky. He's from OHM. And then secondly would be uh, Tom Maxwell, and he's from HRC. So, and uh, welcome them up here. Good evening. Uh, my name is Greg Kazvinsky with OHM Advisors, and we are working with HRC on the study. We were here a few months ago to give you a longer presentation. This one will be shorter, I promise. Um, 
So before we begin, I, I do want to thank uh, the city staff who worked closely with us to, to help, uh, help build this report, and also all the public who came out, whether it was written comments, emailed comments to the city, and all those who showed up to the two, uh, the two public meetings that we had in late July. The findings and recommendations in this report are certainly informed by, or largely informed by what we learned from the resident feedback as well. So I want to thank everybody involved. Um, just a quick recap of the study timeline. Um, the, the genesis of this study was essentially the, the flooding that occurred in, in June of 2017. Um, by late summer, early fall, we worked with the city to develop a scope to attack the stormwater and wastewater components of this project. And that was done in and basically um, approved in October tw uh, 26th of 2017. We got to work right away and uh, did some of the modeling and analysis of your wastewater systems and your stormwater systems. Um, that took us through early 2018 where we started to work with city staff to talk about some of the findings and recommendations. Um, we presented here to the council earlier, uh, earlier this year, just a few months ago, and then we spent uh, July and August receiving public feedback and helping use that feedback to finalize the report in the executive summary and finalize some of the recommendations. And so that's, that puts us uh, here tonight with the final report. So getting back to the June 2017 flooding event, um, that's, uh, that's pretty much what brought us here tonight. Um, over a one week period, there were seven and a half inches of rain. And uh, we talked a little bit about recurrence interval before. So that's how we, we measure how a system responds, uh, what we call the design storm. And that amount of rain easily exceeded the capacity of the sanitary sewer system, as uh, Tom will talk about. But an 82-year recurrence interval storm is a very rare event, uh, as we talked about last time. The design storm that we use for wastewater and stormwater systems are usually much smaller storms. Can I just stop and ask? Will yes. you explain that 82 year? Because I think, you know, mm -hmm. I would might think, and probably have until I've heard differently, is that it's not going to happen again for another 82 years. You are exactly correct. It's a, it's a recurrence interval, which means it's a probability of a, of, of a 1 in 82 chance of occurring or being exceeded in any given year. So that amount of rain over a one week period would have a 1 in 82 chance of being exceeded in any given year. So when we say a 10-year storm, it doesn't mean you're going to get it once every 10 years. It means it has a 10% chance of being exceeded in any given year. And when you talk about a 100-year storm, you know, a lot of communities have had back-to-back 100-year -back storms. It can happen. It's, it's incredibly unfortunate when it does happen, but it can happen. Um, a lot of people like to think that when they're planning or designing something that they'll retire before the 100-year storm happens, but that, that's never the case. Thank you. Yep, that was a good point, though. So the, the, the sanitary and storm sewer systems do impact each other. So as we said in our previous report, our previous presentation here, when the storm sewer isn't working, the water floods the streets and stays around longer than we want it to, and it finds its way into the, sta the sanitary sewer system. And that can overwhelm that system, causing basement backups and impacting the wastewater treatment plant. So as part of this study, we're developing recommendations for capital improvements. Those could be sewer improvements. Uh, uh, improvements to the pump stations that the city maintains, um, but also operations and maintenance. You know, how, how can we set up strategies to maintain the system, inspect the system on a regular basis, 
probably more important for stormwater um, given that um, lack of dedicated funding for stormwater uh, generally results in less maintenance on those systems. And then again, recommendations for revenue and funding for stormwater and wastewater. So we'll touch on that tonight as well. For the storm sewer system, the key findings, um, there are basically two types of flooding problems that we observed. And one was the result of the flooding of the Titabawassee River. That's outside of the city's control. Primary reason is that that watershed is approximately 2,500 square miles. So what rains outside the city of Midland, the city of Midland really has no control over. Those floodwaters were going to come and the, the, the river crested. So that's something that is out of the city's control. But what the city can control is this, the size of the pipes within the system that drain the urban areas within the city. And you want those areas generally to drain relatively quickly after a big storm event. And if those are blocked or if they're undersized, you can have water standing around longer than you want it to. Um, Sturgeon Creek, um, and this is largely informed by the public feedback that we received during the project, but the floodplain may not be accurate. Um, the, the, the Sturgeon Creek floodplain showed that that area wouldn't necessarily be um, overwhelmed during a, a major flooding event, but the observed water levels along the Sturgeon Creek were higher, significantly higher than the FEMA 100-year floodplain. So that tells us there's a difference that we, we need to be looking at in the future. The existing storm sewer system can take um, a, about a two-year storm before, it, uh, before we see significant surcharging and flooding on the surface. So getting back to our probabilities again, a, a two-year event has about a 50% chance of being exceeded in any given year. Um, typically, municipalities design storm sewer systems for 10-year ten uh, events. So we, uh, we would generally consider the two-year storm to be um, not, not good enough for handling rainwater. Um, and this is probably the most fundamental issue with a storm sewer system, and this is not just an issue in the city of Midland, but there's no dedicated funding source for stormwater. Um, this, is, uh, this is an issue that goes back years and decades, but most cities in Michigan have a funding source for water systems and for wastewater systems, but not for stormwater systems. Um, there is a bill in Lansing right now, Senate Bill 756, that aims to uh, change this. And if that bill is passed and signed by the governor, we would expect that well, Midland would at least have an option or a tool in their toolbox to develop a funding source for stormwater that is very similar to water and wastewater systems. The recommendations for storm sewer, um, number one on Sturgeon Creek. Um, some of the residents mentioned that there are some blockages along the, the Sturgeon Creek, maybe fallen trees that might be partially blocking culverts or bridges, um, or maybe flow within the channel. Um, also, we need to evaluate the bridge and culvert sizes for hydraulic capacity. Um, as I mentioned, a, a lot of the people who live along the Sturgeon Creek said that the floodwaters got higher, um, significantly higher than we would have expected. So the FEMA floodplain maps, we, we're pretty sure are, are not accurate in that area. Can I get a clarification? Yes. You say Sturgeon Creek. I think um, Sturgeon Creek and the <coughs> Inman Drain or Stony Creek, it's called a couple different things, merge. So when you say Sturgeon Creek, do you mean, do you, are you referring to both those? Um, primarily the main Sturgeon Creek um, from the airport, um, mm -hmm. the south, uh, southwest corner of the airport, um, down to um, the Titabawassi. So I guess that would be the, the eastern component of it. There's that branch that comes in from the west. Yes. Yeah. And that could be impacted by the, 
backwaters of the Sturgeon Creek as well. But it was the Sturgeon Creek that where we were talking to residents about complaints and, and that discrepancy. I think when I was at the meeting, they were referring to both. And I just I think there's, you know, people are a little bit sloppy sometimes in terms of how they describe things. So I wanted to get your understanding of yeah. what you were actually referring to here. You, you may, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It, it's, it's most likely that the, that both branches would be impacted by any hydraulic uh, bottlenecks along that, that reach of uh, the creek. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. The Snake Creek, uh, which is a little bit further east, um, we identified some culverts that um, need to be enlarged. Uh, and that's important because we also are recommending some storm sewer um, size increases in that watershed. So be, before we do that, we want to make sure that those culverts are large enough to pass the flow so it gets down to the, to the, to the Bawassee River. The Jacobs Drain. So this is an area that in the, the picture on this slide is um, the Joe Man Boulevard area. Uh, we suspect that there might be a blockage in the enclosure on the county fairground site. It's a fairly large pipe, but it's old, and there's some discussion of some sinkholes along that uh, culvert that may have partially filled that pipe. Given the fact that it took the mall area a very long time to drain down after the storm, um, uh, we suspect that there is some kind of blockage. That sewer should have been able to take that, the water from that June 2017 event without any problem. Uh, and so inspecting that drain for potential blockage is going to be very, uh, that's low-hanging fruit basically to help solve some of these problems. Uh, replace undersized sewers. So the report uh, uh, lays out um, sewers throughout the city where we recommend bringing the design of the level of service up to a 10-year event. So when I mentioned that many of the sewers in the city can generally handle up to about a two-year event, the, uh, the recommendations for sewer upsizing would take them up to a 10-year level of service. Uh, storm sewer inspection. So the city does a good job um, cleaning out or jetting the sewer system on a regular basis. Um, but what we would recommend is to get in and televise those sewers to see if there are any structural issues and other blockages. Uh, this, this is really important because as the city continues to age, and the average age of the assets in the city are getting older every year, we need to make sure that the, the structural integrity of the sewer system is good. We, uh, for, for many cities similar in age to the city of Midland, we see the beginnings of a system that can start to fall apart with cracked pipes. That can lead to sinkholes, that can lead to flooding. So um, regularly televising the sewers will help reduce the risk of unnecessary flooding in the future. Um, also explore revenue sources. Um, it does not necessarily need to be a tax or a fee. Um, as, as I mentioned, the, there is a bill in Lansing that would give the uh, cities in Michigan a tool to generate funds basically through an enterprise fund for stormwater, much like you have for water and wastewater. Um, that's probably the most equitable way to do it. Um, taxes are another option through a millage. Um, given the magnitude of the recommendations we make in our capital improvement program, it's likely that a new revenue, revenue source would be necessary to, to fund the recommendations just because of the size of them. Um, I can certainly answer any questions you might have on those two. And there's some details in the report as well. So I think it's interesting you recommend that we look at revenue sources to be able to fund this. So where the estimated cost for each one of those recommendations? Um, I can, I actually have uh, a 
couple numbers on the next slide oh, okay. on the capital improvement okay. plan. You're, you're one step ahead of me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so the capital improvement plan uh, addresses the undersized culverts and storm sewers that I talked about. It does include a, pr a provision for some detention ponds, and those are necessary to help control the peak flows or to mitigate the increased flows. When you increase the sewer size, you have more flow, right? So providing some detention ponds in targeted and strategic areas will help to control those peak flows so you don't increase the peak flow too much going downstream. And then it brings the, the storm sewer system to a, a level of service that we would normally expect for your municipal system, which is about a 10-year event. The identified costs in, uh, in the executive summary uh, and in volume two of the report, priority one is 30 million and priority two is 50 million. Um, priority one projects include those Snake Creek culverts that I mentioned. It also includes projects that, um, uh, based on the hydraulic model of the system, we feel are most important to have the greatest impact on reducing the magnitude and the frequency of flooding in the city's neighborhoods. Um, so that would consist of sewer replacement, culvert replacement. Also, it includes the cost of detention ponds as recommended in the report as well. Because it's, you know, if we're going to increase peak flows, we're looking to mitigate that using detention ponds. That's, so that's what that 30 million includes. 50 million um, is basically for other portions of the city that aren't as critical in terms of the, the magnitude of the flooding, but areas that still don't meet that 10-year level of service. Um, so we wanted to set a, a, a one set of priority projects that the city could focus on first, because it's a very large overall. 80 million is a, is, is a lot to spend. So we wanted to try to find a, a, pri a system of prioritization so we could look at a certain set of subset of projects before the others. Greg, can I, can I ask you a little bit about the priority? Or you want to wait a little bit until you're done? You could, yeah, absolutely. We can come um, obviously, that's a huge number for us to, uh, to, to spend on, on storm sewer activity. So my question really is in terms of how you identify priority one and priority two. So as, starting at first from a, from a stormwater perspective, how, much, how many homes and or businesses were flooded because of stormwater in Midland? Um, that we cannot determine that answer because the, the types of complaints, um, it's, in, it's inconclusive whether that was directly attributable to only a, a sanitary sewer backup or a storm sewer backup. In some cases, it's difficult to tell which one it is. I would say that the basement backup complaints were largely wastewater related. However, when the stormwater system doesn't function well, and you have a lot of surface flooding, that water can find its way into the sanitary sewer system. So they can be somewhat interrelated. But I think in terms of, you know, what, what I would be interested in, in terms of, you know, what we attack first, what we spend money on first, would be things that directly caused, you know, water, whether it, you know, I'm focusing on storm water for the mm -hmm. moment since you're standing here, uh, to go into a person's house. Now, obviously, the creek's backing up is, is an obvious one, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got the, ho the homes that were flooded because of either the, um, we'll call it the Stony Creek or Sturgeon Creek, and I'm not sure if Snake Creek actually had, if water backed up from that to people's homes or not. It's, maybe you guys might know in your area, but I know those two, so that's, that's obvious. Uh, so there would seem to be a direct correlation, and that would seem to have some higher priority. But some of these other storm sewer things that you're, you're identifying here, um, 
I mean, I, I'm trying to understand if those are just that resulted in surface water, water standing on, on streets, or, you know, or did they actually somehow get into people's homes? Yeah. In, in most cases, these are areas where you have a low point in a road where you would have uh, more than five inches of, of uh, flooding above the, above the surface of the road. In a lot of cases, that flooding was six to 12 inches or more. Um, in some of those cases, you could have water um, get into a home either through a basement window or otherwise. It also, um, from the stormwater side, it, it can make the roads impassable if you've got a right. And those water are important in. things, but yeah. in terms of priorities, yeah, you know, I would say keeping it out of people's homes should be. We should identify those and maybe have those as the first priority. And that's what I'm trying to figure mm -hmm. out if you have the data to to point to with respect to the storm sewer. And it sounds like you, you really don't. Um, no, the, the priority was based on the, the, the magnitude and duration of flooding. Okay. Um, and not specifically which of those uh, would cause flooding going into people's homes. Okay, I'll let you continue. Yep. So the time to implement this, um, we, when we talk about a capital improvement plan as, as large as this, this is not a five-year or ten-year capital improvement plan. This is a, a longer term project that a lot of cities tackle it in this way as roads need to be replaced um, and you're ripping up the road that's that's a time that you often replace some of the underground utilities that would be the perfect time to replace an undersized storm sewer so a lot of these projects could wait until the next time the road is replaced um, the the uh, number of projects you could do per year will depend upon your budget for stormwater. Obviously, there's there's a lot on the list already that could be that could be tackled that are obvious projects. That will depend on how much revenue is dedicated to stormwater, and increasing funding through a different revenue source would certainly uh, decrease the time it would take to get through that capital improvement program. So that is uh, that is a consideration that you'll have to make. I'm going to hand it off to Tom to discuss wastewater. Are there any other questions on stormwater at this point? I can certainly. One come other back. quick quick question, um, just in terms of what OHM did. Um, did you do any sewer inspection or culvert inspection in Midland? I mean, how much on the ground work? If you could maybe just describe that from sure. a storm sewer perspective. We, as part of our as part of our scope, we did some uh, survey of the system to verify sizes and elevations of key sewers and culverts. What does that mean, survey? A field survey, so people out with, uh, with tripods and, okay. and uh, orange vests and, and, and the like. So um, what we did is we looked at, we confirmed some of the sizes of the culverts. Snake Creek is a good example where we did get in and take a look at uh, those culverts as part of that field survey. Any, anything in terms of structural issues would have been noted in the field, but we are there primarily just to, to confirm the, the, the sizes of those assets. Okay. Can I, and I just have to have a little bit of a clarification on this. So I, you made a comment about the Titabawasi in, mm -hmm. in the beginning about the floodplain, and you know, if we get so much water, there's nothing you can do about that because we're a floodplain. Now, wouldn't that be true also, though, for, for Snake Creek and um, Sturgeon Creek, if we've replaced, if the culverts are big enough, it still is a way of transporting water. And so we can do all that, yeah. but 
and I, I get the I get the understanding that you know we have to do it thoughtfully, and we have to make sure that those are cleaned out and operate functioning well. But at the end of the day, if you were if I, my house is on Sturgeon Creek, I'm really living in the floodplain. So for. It, yeah, Titabawassee is unique because of the size of the watershed. Snake mm -hmm. Creek is, is a much smaller watershed, mm -hmm. and that the city has control over because most of that watershed is within the city. And so through detention ponds and storm sewer improvements and culvert improvements, that can be handled. The Snake Creek also is perched and okay. sits quite a bit higher mm -hmm. than, uh, than the, than the Titabawassee. The Sturgeon Creek is relatively low, and that's impacted by the, the water levels in the Titabawassee. Okay. Um, what is in the city's control on the Snake Creek, or I'm sorry, the Sturgeon Creek, is that um, if you have a major event like you did in June of 2017, what we could see from the state police helicopter videos and from some of the residents providing feedback mm -hmm. is that it looked like some of those bridges and culverts were, were holding water back. Right, weren't working correctly. So we need to, so, yeah. okay, that's yeah. what I, I want to just understand that, mm -hmm. that they're working correctly, the event that we, you know, recently had would probably, it would have transported the water through that area, not backing up in that area. Yeah, yeah, so so in Sturgeon Creek, the the city does have within its control to uh, make changes to those culverts and bridges mm -hmm. right. to allow more water through so it doesn't back up as much. Okay, thanks. Okay. In another question for no, you, sir? the Sturgeon Creek floodplain, you said that you don't think it's accurate. Is that something that, you or us need to talk with FEMA about to have a redetermination done about that or I guess how do we fix that? We have some recommendations in the executive summary of, of, of the next steps on Sturgeon Creek. The, the FEMA floodplains were mapped originally mostly 35 years ago plus or minus. Even though the, the floodplain maps themselves were updated um, in the last 10 or 15 years, those weren't true updates. They simply took the old floodplain and put them on a nice new aerial photograph. So the, a, a lot of the original studies that FEMA did are, and this is fairly common, aren't that accurate, um, depending on the community. FEMA does not come in on their own and re-study anything. It's, it, it's usually on the communities to do the study and to provide updates to FEMA. The, the key issue there and the key, the most, one of the most important things to think about is when you restudy a floodplain, um, you're redefining the risk of flooding along that channel. It, the, exactly. the, the flood risk could go up, bringing more homes into the floodplain. So if you were to officially remap the floodplain, you could have more properties that have to pay, pay flood insurance. And there's, there's pluses and minuses to all that stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Your turn. Thank you. Uh, good evening. I'm Tom Maxwell. I work for Hubble, Roth & Clark, and I'm here to talk a little bit about the sanitary sewer evaluation that we just completed. We'll talk a little bit about the key findings. So as you know, a big part of this effort was modeling the sanitary sewer system, uh, the entire system. And that not only agreed with the uh, flooding that was experienced in 2017, but it also showed that portions of the sanitary sewer system are not capable of providing level service required by the state, and that's the 25-year uh, design event. And a major contributor to that, probably the biggest problem that the city experiences, is the direct connection of footing drains to the sanitary sewer system. That was allowed up until 1987. Um, 
that is not uncommon with most older communities in the state. And as Greg mentioned, um, with an adequate uh, storm sewer or drains in the flooding that occurs with that, uh, the pining in the road occurs and the infrastructure is inundated with, uh, you know, could be two feet of water on top of it. And that is a potential source of inflow into the sanitary sewer system. So that can exacerbate uh, the problems that you're experiencing. The other thing that we, we showed and, and confirmed was that in these flood prone areas, uh, especially along the river courses uh, in the city, uh, it's a significant source of inflow during high river stage. The sanitary sewer system is definitely impacted by that. So I put this map up here just to kind of confirm or uh, I guess a visual is worth a thousand words, correct? So essentially what you've got here is all the blue lines are the, the rivers, uh, excuse the mouse, the green areas, the low-lying floodplain areas, this, all of this is the sewer network shown in like a gold or tan. And then the infrastructure that's within those floodplain or flood-prone areas is highlighted in yellow. The little red dots, you're probably questioning what, what that is, but that's where the sewer crosses under the water course. Yeah, the city has approximately a little over 18 miles of sewers within those flood-prone areas. You've got over 300 manholes and you've got 15 pump stations. And uh, it definitely is a source of inflow in the system. So some of the recommendations, and that's uh, discussed in uh, Chapter 7 of the Volume 3 report for sanitary sewers. Essentially, this is alternative B, but to expand the capacity of the system or to improve the conveyance. Um, essentially, that was with pump station upgrades, and there was three pump stations within the city that uh, look like they need to be improved. Uh, that's Sylvan, Moreland, and Jefferson. Another way of uh, taking that wet weather uh, flow and taking it downstream by improving the conveyances to increase the sewer sizes or to put in parallel relief. A couple of the other alternatives were ways to reduce the wet weather that gets into the sanitary sewers. Uh, one of them was storage tanks. That was alternative C. And essentially what that is is an offline tank that in dry weather flow is empty. And then when you have a wet weather event and your system can't properly uh, convey it downstream, that excess, instead of going to the basements, would go into the storage tanks. After the event, when uh, the system has capacity again, you dewater the storage back into the system. So that was alternative C. Uh, footing drain disconnection, that was alternative A. And then uh, another alternative we talked about uh, in both chapter seven and eight was inflow and infiltration source removal. Explain that one a little more. Infiltration and inflow, okay. Um, yeah, that's always a, an interesting thing, especially when you're not used to it. Um, inflow is, um, they're both ways that water get into the sewer network. Infiltration is essentially related to groundwater phenomena. 
So you got cracks in your sewers, you got uh, poor structures. It's migrating its way through the through the ground and into the infrastructure. Okay, that's infiltration. Inflow would be like um, the ponding. So basically, that that water is surface flow or is ponded, and basically it's working its way into the manhole covers. It's working its way into the pump station, the bilco hatches on top of the pump stations and whatnot. So that's surface runoff, getting directly into it. Might be a cross connection between the storm and the sanitary. Um, none of which you want. Uh, so some of the other recommendations was to install, and does that adequately? Okay, all right. Uh, is to install additional flow meters and rain gauges to collect additional data. And then obviously to review your sewer rates and adjust them as needed to uh, pay for the improvements that the city decides to go forward with. So all these alternatives culminated in a capital improvement plan for approximately $38 million. It includes a mixture of all the alternatives that basically I described. Sewer replacement, pump station upgrades, underground storage tanks, and footing drain disconnection. Uh, you'll notice the first two bullets, there's an asterisk at the end of the description, and that's alternative B. So if you improve the conveyance of your system, you're going to take that flow downstream. First off, you've got to make certain that your downstream collection system is adequate. And secondly, it's going to get down to the wastewater treatment plant. Now, you've got to remember this because the wastewater treatment plant wasn't part of the study. But if you're taking additional flow down there, you're probably going to have to do improvements down there as well. So, so if, if I added all those numbers together, that's a, like $118 million if we did it all, yes. plus, which does not include anything to the wastewater treatment plant, which if we did that, we would have to do that because... We're going to be sending more water that way. More it depends on the, the alternatives that you select. If you go with alternative B, which are increasing the conveyance, increasing the hydraulics capacity of your, of your system to convey that excess flow down there. Now, these are all for that design event, too, for the 25-year. Not the 82-year, not the 100-year, but the 25-year, which is uh, required by state law. Okay? So... Um, if, if you go with that option, then you're going to have to consider that. If you go with some of the other ones where you're removing it from the system, if you're doing footing drain disconnect, if you're doing offline storage, these aren't going to convey that flow down to the wastewater treatment plant. They're not going to put additional demand on that system. So it really depends on what you want to do going forward. And then you got to remember too, not only could you have capital costs, but now you've got extra equipment, extra infrastructure that you're going to have long-term O&M. Okay, so just wanted to complete that too. There's two uh, aspects of that. Wow. I guess we're on to the next steps or phase two already. Can I, can I ask you a question about these different methods for non-sewage water getting into this, the, the sanitary sewer system. You know, there's, there's different places in town that flood, that had this issue. Now, obviously, well, we don't know whether it was storm sewer or not. I mean, you can pretty much know whether when it's sanitary sewer. 
because it, it smells and you know depending if it's coming if it's coming back up from the toilet you'd pretty much know what it is sure um, but in those areas you talk about footing drain disconnect but is that do we know whether that alone will be the solution or whether it's maybe you've got some big infiltration or inflow problem so so did your analysis get down to you know, a kind of sub sub regions within the city, because I, I, I don't know if you have the same, I, I don't think it's fair to probably generalize. I suspect there's different things going on in different parts of the city. Did you do any analysis to try and determine what it is? Because what you don't want to have, I mean, obviously, as you talk about um, the drain tile disconnect, do all that, and then it still has backup, right? Sure. Um, and I think from what people described, you know, some of it was because they had bathrooms in the basement. So you either had a shower stall or a toilet that was backing up. But other, other people, even if they didn't have a bathroom in the basement, they had floor drains. Floor drains, right. And it was coming up through the floor drains. Um, is, if you do footing drain disconnect, that wouldn't seem to help you with the, uh, the toilets and the bathrooms, the bathrooms in the basement situation, would it? It definitely would help. Well, yeah. that's because you're, you're well, that's sanitary sewer, right? True, but the footing drains are connected to the sanitary sewer, and that whole system is connected. To, like the I'm talking about this. Let's get down to a micro level. A particular individual's house, right? You know, I wish I had brought a, a right. picture of, of uh, right. But the, if if it, how trying to if you tell an individual that if you disconnect your footing drain. You will not have a, 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 a sanitary sewer backup problem. Well, I would never do that. Um, unfortunately, uh, Mother Nature can always throw you a bigger design event or a bigger recurrence interval, as Greg uh, discussed. So there's always a chance uh, that you can still have a flood. Uh, you can still have basement backups. We can't control Mother Nature. But uh, to answer your question, we, we also had an alternative D, which was a combination of uh, various aspects. Could be uh, conveyance and storage, could have been uh, footing drain disconnects and uh, conveyance or storage in order to uh, do what was necessary to um, provide the level of service for that 25-year requirement by the state. Um, if, you, if you go to, you know, uh, table, I think it's 7-1 or 7-2 in the report. It's very extensive in regards to all the areas of concern and the impacts that you, you saw in, uh, in those areas. And different options or alternatives that were reviewed. And it, it gets right down to uh, if basically if we remove X amount of footing drains, not the entire neighborhood, but basically if we remove, you know, let's just say for 50%, that should get you down to a level of service to attain that 25-year uh, requirement. So it, it's in there, uh, and, and it is possible. But, uh, you know, and we did discuss some other things. Uh, if, you, if you recall at the, the public meeting, somebody brought up backflow preventers. Right. That's a potential option. But backflow, I mean, if, the way I understood the backflow, you put a, if I put a backflow in my house, saves me but just pushes it up to the next Correct. guy's house yes, it doesn't yes. as a city as a city as a whole we've just moved it from this person has a problem to the neighbor has a problem right. we still have the same number of potentially the same number of, of flood basements understood and, and ultimately if you think about it what is your basements they're offline storage 
So essentially, that's what alternative C is. Instead of it going in the basements and being stored temporarily, we're talking about putting in a tank and filling that and peeling that excess flow off. So, so I mean, what, what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, which, which routes, if you could block all the routes coming in, <laughs> at least with respect to your house, you should be okay. But that's, that's why I wasn't, I, I was trying to figure out disconnecting the, the footing. I don't know where the, I don't know where the basement uh, drain goes to. Does that go into the sanitary sewer system? Is that why yes. that's coming back? But for these over 9,000 homes in the city that are connected, that footing drain, which basically collects all that surface runoff that soaks into the ground. On the, on the walls, along the basement along, foundation along walls. That, around the house perimeter. It gets down your, into that footing drain system. That includes your And, and that drain. is tied in with your sanitary, and that goes out to the sanitary sewer system. Okay. So when you get all this flow in these major events, and it starts exceeding the capacity of that local sanitary sewer in the street, that sewer starts heading up or surcharging, if you will. And ultimately, it starts to reflect back up into your basements. So if you remove those footing drains, you take away that source of, take, of, yeah. of you, flow you, into the system, right. that's how you dry it up. That's how you reduce the wet weather impact. But it still doesn't guarantee you because as long as you have a bathroom in your basement, that's another route for things to back up. You've now, if you can cut off that footing drain so it goes in the storm sewer instead of the sanitary sewer, it goes Correct. somewhere else besides the sanitary, yeah, yeah. you still got a sanitary, a below grade sanitary sewer connection. Well, it's still above the sewer, right? Well, it, because it's got to drain by gravity. The sour drain is, is a few inches. But it's still got to drain by gravity out to the sewer in the street. So, you know, the pipe in the street is down here, and basically your system is up here. So you, you discharge into that sanitary lead that goes from your house, usually at a 1% minimum slope, in a four or six inch diameter pipe, typically six inches, and it's gonna go out and connect into that sanitary sewer. But that, what I'm saying is there's two different systems or two different drain, drainage points. Right now you've got a, you've got, if you're connected to the, if you have your footing drains connected to the sanitary sewer, that's one pipe. If, no, they're I, connected together. They're connected together. That's why when, when but you still need to have your shower and toilet go to the sanitary sewer system if it's in the basement, don't you? Correct. Yes. So you're you not going to disconnect, disconnect that. Well, you're only going to disconnect the footing drains. Right. You're not going to disconnect your sanitary lateral that goes out to the sewer industry. Okay, so it can still back up. If the it can, system's over sure, it could, capacity. It, it could back up, but you're, you're, you're taking away that, that water that's causing that backup, right? Well, it's, it's no longer your house. It's the whole system is what can cause it to back up into your house, right? Well, it's it's it depends on where you're at. It depends on the sewer system, you know. Okay, but yes, we're, getting, we're getting into the weeds too much, so um, sorry. It's okay. They're all good questions, and I know they're, you know, not necessarily sure, easy one of the to understand. The we for got some is people. right. We did we did some some big capital improvements years ago, following you know some flooding. We did storage tanks and so forth. Spent this money, and then we still have a flood. So people are going, well, look, if we're going to do this, we don't want to have to have it again. So Correct. I'm trying to, I mean, because the sewage problem is, is, is a big problem. And so I want to make sure we understand if we do this piece, do we protect that homeowner in essence? You're making progress to protecting that homeowner. Yeah, but we're not, right. I want to get, and, yeah, I want to understand right. what it takes and to it, get it to It depends protect. on the recommendations that you proceed with. Yeah. But yes, you're going to improve the situation. 
Okay. All right, so we'll talk about phase two or the next steps as it relates to the storm sewer system. And this is the last slide. Tom and I will be sharing this last slide. Um, uh, just as a final statement um, on the, the, the cause of the problems, you know, your question earlier about, you know, was it a wastewater problem or was it a stormwater problem? The, the truth is that when a wastewater system surcharges, it is truly a stormwater problem because it's the, rain, it's the rainfall that causes it. So it's the, it's the surface water that finds its way into the sanitary sewer system that is the source. So in it, it, you, could, you could basically say that it is a stormwater problem. Um, and uh, the footing drain disconnection that Tom mentioned is, a, is, is helping to take that stormwater out of the wastewater system. Uh, reducing flooding on the streets is helping to take the stormwater out of the wastewater system. So that's, that's our goal um, with reducing the wet weather flows in the wastewater system. Um, so the next steps for storm sewer, number one is identify the causes of surging creek flooding. As, as I mentioned before, there is, there's a discrepancy between the FEMA floodplain and what's been observed. Um, that should necessitate some additional study to determine if there are any bottlenecks, hydraulic bottlenecks along that reach. Um, to begin planning and design for the uh, four Snake Creek culverts that were recommended for replacement, um, Again, those are, those are projects that can help reduce the likelihood of flooding in, in neighborhoods surrounding um, Snake Creek and then allow for future projects to increase storm sewers in that area or increase storm sewer sizes. To begin the systematic inspection of sewers, uh, uh, this is a picture here. This is not the city of Midland. We don't have um, sewer televising data for the city storm sewer system, but this is um, a not at all uncommon uh, condition of a storm sewer pipe in a community of similar age to the to, to Midland. And what happens is, when that happens, you can get sinkholes, um, uh, which can cause uh, all sorts of problems beyond beyond just flooding. So that uh, systematic inspection is going to be very important. And then to identify annual revenue needs and establish if uh, if if you're looking to uh, to attack these projects at a faster rate to establish a revenue source. That could be user fees. It could be a tax millage. Um, to be perfectly honest, the, a user fee, if done right, is a more equitable way to do it because it charges anybody who has an impact and has runoff coming off their property, whereas taxes is based on property value and has very little uh, correlation to the amount of stormwater runoff that comes off a of property. So that's something that we can certainly look into in the future. Um, that this, so you know how much stormwater runoff one, you can determine that from one area to another. Yeah, communities that have stormwater fees typically use impervious area as a, uh, as a surrogate to determine the, the, the demand placed on the system. So if you have a property that's one big parking lot, mm -hmm. all hard surface, that's going to place a greater demand on the system than a, a quarter acre residential parcel with a small driveway and a house, right? So the, the, the property owner that has that large parking lot would pay more because they send more stormwater into the system during a rain event. And that's what most cities that have stormwater utilities do. Thanks for explaining yep. that. Any questions on the stormwater recommendations? All right, your turn for All right. So a few sanitary sewer uh, recommendations. The first one is to expand the flow metering program. And this kind of goes hand in hand with alternative E, which I believe the city is uh, 
talking about the city staff uh, in regards to an INI removal effort. Um, so that's going to help monitor the system. It'll help you evaluate the system in these localized areas that you're having problems with. So you want to put that in, you want to put in rain gauges. In addition, it's going to provide you additional data, which would be very helpful to uh, improve your model. So update the system model based on this additional data, data as well. Um, this says, you know, to go in and uh, deal with the low-hanging fruit in regards to uh, the INI removal or the inflow and infiltration. As I mentioned, that's alternative E if you want to re review that. But uh, essentially, um, the, we're recommending you go into these areas of concern that have experienced a lot of flooding, and then you go into these floodplain areas because it's obvious when that river stage gets up to a certain point, you're really getting inundated with inflow. So that would, you, you might really get a lot of, as it says, low-hanging fruit by going in there and checking that out. Um, and then, as Greg has talked about, the annual revenue needs and taking a look at your sewer rates and adjusting those appropriately uh, when the time comes that you want to proceed with these capital improvements and what you select. So that, I guess, ends our presentation, and we'll turn it over to any questions that you may have at this point. Tom, I do have one question. One of the suggestions in the sanitary sewer model is to expand the flow metering program. Yes. How much information will we actually get if we don't have storm events? In other words, do we need more storm <laughs> events to get the data from this metering? Well, you know, you're spot on with that. You, you, you know, it doesn't do you much good uh, just to monitor dry weather flow. You really need to see how the system reacts to varying storm events and see how much wet weather gets in and what's going on with your system. So, uh, you know, if you just put it in and all you see is dry weather for the next, you know, which you can have droughts and whatnot, but uh, you'll get wet weather events in, and ideally you put it in the spring when you've got a high groundwater table. So your infiltration, you're going to experience more. Um, you get a lot of long dragged out events and whatnot. So it, it, spring is always a good time to put these systems in place to monitor your system, see how it reacts to wet weather. We've had some rain over the last week or so. Would that be sufficient to get any kind of data? Well, you got a, a heck of an event, um, I don't know, about a month ago. Uh, it was a two-inch event in an isolated area. That's the other thing about Mother Nature, right? I mean, when you had the June 2017 event, that was a huge event across the whole Titabawassee watershed, that 2,500 square miles. All your neighbors got hit with it. And ultimately, when it passed through Midland, which it does, you, you were big victims of that, that huge event. But sometimes you get these isolated events. And as I understand from city staff, you had two inches in a very localized area. And I understand it went up 20 MGD, just like that. So to me, that means you get some inflow potentially there. That if you go out and you investigate that area, there's a good chance that you can go in and dry that up and get rid of that. But, do, but my question was really geared towards, does it take that kind of an event, or is kind of the more gradual rain we've had recently sufficient to show anything? You know, if it's a long, extended event, you know, June 2017 wasn't a super intense event. Uh, I think your peak intensity was like one inch uh, of rain in one hour, you know, which is essentially a one-year event. But it was the uh, accumulation of that over seven days, which is what made it such an impactful event. So, you know, it doesn't really, still doesn't really answer your question. Yeah. You, you know, if it's a, a little drizzle, you're not going to experience much impact. 
but if it's a long extended mild rain you, you might experience it and it depends on where it's at in the system so both of you guys did the modeling um, so you can see the flows and everything like that all um, right are we going to have access to that so like if we decide to put a new sanitary sewer in something like that will we be able to tell how that will affect the rest of the system Yes, uh, you will. Um, we used uh, a swim model, uh, EPA version, which is free to the public, uh, so that basically city staff could use that if they care to do so and update it, uh, because it will be very helpful. The more wet weather data that you guys obtain, the better you can fine-tune that model, the better you can feel comfortable with the capital improvements that were suggested, and that's the key. Because you don't want to just go out there and, and you want to assess those. Um, you want to go out there and try and remove all the I and I that you can. That alternative E, which the city staff is talking about doing right now. Obtain data while you're doing it, pre and post. Update your model, and then go forward with those capital improvements. Because hopefully you've reduced those capital improvements, the requirements of them. Did your modeling go back and compare data from the '86 flood and the '96 flood? Uh, no. Go back to those prior, you know, extreme events we had, um, and kind of compare and look at what differences there would be, or try and do any analysis at all. Uh, we didn't have the relative flow data uh, to to do that analysis, but we did validate it for. Gosh, it's been too many months, but seven or eleven events, and especially the 2017, the June 2017 mm -hmm. event, to validate the model. Um, so we feel that right now the model's in good working shape, but we did it with still some limited data set. We would have loved to have had a lot more data to uh, adjust it maybe a little bit more in each one of these areas throughout the city. I mean, you've got 14,000 acres. That's a, that's a big sewer network, and it's a complex system. You've got 69 interconnections throughout, you know, from one sewer district to another, basically. As the, as the water heads up in this localized sewer district, it starts relieving itself in a different district through these interconnections, and there's 69 of them. But we don't really have a lot of data uh, associated with those individual areas. So it'd be good to have data related to those. And when we talked about, I think it was 300 um, manholes. Those yes. Those all sanitary. Those are sanitary manholes in that the flood-prone areas. Those, oh, that's 300 just in, the water just, in the, just in the flood prone areas. Yes, just in the Does flood that seem areas. like an excessive number to you compared to other cities in terms of no, location? It, you know, it, it's common for uh, cities to have their major interceptor follow the watercourse, that river, right? Because that's the natural way that Mother Nature's taking gravity through their uh, city. So oftentimes they just parallel that river, and that's where you'll find at the bottom of the river at the end of the community is the wastewater treatment plant because we try and do everything by gravity. You know, let Mother Nature work for us. There's no sense in pumping, which that's the other thing unique about you folks is you, you have 42 pump stations, an overwhelming task for your staff to maintain and operate, and they do a great job at it. Do we, my question is really getting to, do we need that many manholes yes, in flood-prone yeah. areas? You need, you need, well, what you're gonna have to do is flood-proof flood the chimneys, right? And then you're also going to have to make certain that those uh, frame and covers are watertight. You may have to rise them up, potentially. It depends on what you see when you go out there and investigate. But, but we need them. 
But you need them. Okay. Yeah, you need them for access. You can't you can't eliminate those. For the flow metering, is that a temporary flow meter or because you kind of sound yes. like yeah, put them in spring and then would they be permanent after you put them in or is that something that you just keep moving to figure out what you want to use? Well, I can tell you if you, if you deal with modelers, I deal with you, you put them in, you keep them in permanent. All right. But that's an expensive thing to do as well. So. Ultimately, you put them in these areas of concern, you analyze the wet weather characteristics, and then basically try and go in and make the improvements necessary. Or you neck down that area until you find that, that problem, you know, whether it's an inflow or infiltrated uh, source of uh, water into the system. But it's typically temporary, you know. Um, ideally, a couple years would be, would be the way to go. Any other questions? Just trying to get a sense of timing in terms of, let's just focus on the sanitary sewer system to, to get that fixed. I mean, because I'm, I'm a little skeptical about the storm sewer as far as the urgency. Uh, sanitary I could buy into. Um, from, from now to implementing all those recommended uh, improvements, what, what period of time do we, are we talking about? Well, that's that's a great that's question. Only, take, take money aside, because there's always that issue. But well, that, and that's the that's a big aspect of, of that question. I mean, you know, are you are you willing to go in and you know make that commitment right now? I, I I don't know as though I would advise that. I think your best bet is to take this approach where you go and you investigate infiltration and inflow, try and find those sources, eliminate them. And then, and that's going to take some time. That's not something you're going to do. You got 14,000 acres of sewers, right? You got a limited staff. It depends on how aggressive you want to be with that. You're going to bring in contractors to do that work. You're going to hire consultants to help them with that effort, to organize it, to coordinate it, to analyze the data, to, to develop the improvements. It really depends on how you guys want to approach that. And, and it's all a function of cost. It's all a function of time. So you didn't, you didn't give me a date. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you know. I think you owe him a number before he can give you a number. <laughs> no, number's 38 million, I think is what it is. <laughs> okay, any other questions for anyone? All right, thank you for that. Okay, guess, thank you. Um, any comments from the public? Just do, if you'd come up, please, and state your name and address. Stand on the blue and address council, if you would, please. Thank you. I'm Gina Peterson, 4408 Moreland. Um, I want to first say thank you for having this study because uh, those of us who flooded with sewage were really quite upset, and we really needed somebody to take some action. And... Um, I, I appreciate the work that's been done in the studies and the uh, recommendations that have been made. I understand the large amount that they're talking about, but I do want to encourage you to act as soon as possible on getting some of the remediations started because I love it here. I love Midland. 
My husband and I moved here 27 years ago. We worked at Dow. We retired here. We love it here. I'm on the beautification committee. We're in all kinds of organizations. But I have to say, I feel like the city let us down. Because in that 27 years, we had never had a hint of any kind of problem like this. And there's something about six inches of sewage in your basement for 12 hours and three months to remediate it and then having a little PTSD and every time it rains, going out and looking at the drain and looking at your basement and saying, is it gonna happen again? Do I have to do this again? It kind of spoils the atmosphere. And there's no amount of aesthetics in the city that can make up for that. So we need the infrastructure to be improved, and we need to believe that the city, council and staff, are taking action. And we want to help. We've asked questions. We have a lot of ideas. But we need to know that there's some action taking place. There was discussion in the 86, and it didn't get voted on until like 91 or something, and it got voted down on things to do. We don't want that to happen again. So please, don't disappoint us. We love it here. But none of our houses are sellable now. We can't leave. Thank you. Hi, um, my name's Ronald Wentz. I'm at 3305 Thornbrook Court. Uh, we have like 48 condos over there in uh, off the rail trail. I've been, this is my fourth time here that I've brought this up and it's really, I don't think we need any of the, the guys doing what we need is what the river comes, I'll talk about this again. Steve, we talked about this before. The river comes from the Northwood coming down to us. And when it hits, it comes along the rail trail, so there's a trough. And so all that water, it's like six feet wide, four feet deep of water comes from the Northwood side, comes down the trough, and then it takes a turn when the rail trail goes off another way, and then it comes in and it hits all of our 48 condos. So in 2017, we had 48 units with three feet of water in it. I'm asking for, I know the guys have been doing a lot for, you know, what they're trying to do right now, but this hasn't really required any kind of drainage and sewer lines and all this stuff. I would like to see a shovel get in there, I mean a crane or whatever, and build a ditch and reroute the ditch out back out away from us. That's all I'm asking for, and there's land there to do that. Dig, dig this ditch and it's four feet deep or whatever, and get it back out to where you know the vacant land is out in the in the back of this place. So, I mean, it hits the other condo. There's like 14 condos over next door to us, and they they got up to the second floor at their condos. We didn't get that bad, but we had three feet of water in our 48 condos, and then they had four units over there that you know went up to the second floor. So it's coming it's coming at us hard, and it goes for like 24 hours. 
nonstop, six feet wide, four feet deep. So it doesn't take these guys doing all the sewers and all that stuff. We need a crane or a shovel and dig a ditch or something to reroute that water coming. I've been over to Northwood. I can't, uh, I've asked some of the people here if they've ever been out there. I'd like to see where their drains are. They're building new condos out there, you know, the housing out there now, and now they're building another housing unit out there. I can't, I've, I've tried to go around and trying to find a sewer. I found one sewer drain over there in the parking lot, but I, you know, I don't know where those drains are or anything, but I just found one. But uh, we're getting it hit bad when that, when that rain starts coming down that trough and all that water gathers up there. So I'm, I'm bringing it up again, uh, but it doesn't take, you know, it, it, it takes a crane to build a ditch or something and not, and not do sewers and all that stuff. But that's what I have to say. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other comments? Okay. I'm uh, Roy Green, 4600 Moreland Drive in Midland. One of the neighbor of, of Gene and one of the neighbors impacted by the flood situation. It's interesting what I would like to find out. We've, we've heard through the report that apparently the Moreland pump station, there were some operating issues. And I had water briefly in my house basement and then by the evening it was, it was dry. But I'd like to know for the for the everyone in the public to know specifically what the problem was at Moreland Pump Station. Was it a maintenance issue? Was it something that that could have been avoided, that would have minimized the damage to people's homes on Moreland? It's interesting. Not everyone along the state drain between Moreland heading northward had water in their basement, and not everyone had a sump pump. So it's just interesting. It's an infrastructure issue that could have been prevented. Or again, maintenance could that lessen the damage, and just have more uh, accountability for that. Also, being involved in the water industry, I appreciate the expense involved in watching, and what all is entailed, and the sophistication of the system. But again, we have a unique city here, and we have a situation problem that has to be addressed. It won't be, it won't be inexpensive, but we need to be certain that we do it correctly. Thank you. Thank you. Like, yeah, um, go ahead. I can, I can do that if that's more what you're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a great point. All the pump stations work throughout the city. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, uh, an aspect that they didn't work. But the question is, did they uh, work to what their design was, right? They're, they're older pump stations. They're being well-maintained for what they've got. but. Um, essentially, the mag meter on the Moreland pump station, oh, excuse yeah. me, uh, showed, and I don't remember the, the numbers at this point, it's been quite a while, unfortunately, but, but it didn't um, uh, pump as much as the original design capacity. Um, it wasn't too far off the mark, but what we propose is to go in and to investigate because it could be as simple as the fact that the mag meter wasn't reading correctly. It may not be the aspect that the pump station wasn't functioning correctly. You know, there's a lot of equipment. There's pumps, there's flow meters, et cetera. So all of these we propose to go in, evaluate the pump stations, make certain that, you know, where they're at on their pump curves and whatnot to evaluate what it is they can pump. Because, you know, I don't know how old the system is or the equipment is in that specific pump station, but 
it's definitely not going to work as well as it did day one. So that's about all I can add to that. But, but it did operate. Okay, great. Thank you. And the pump station, just for emphasis, is only for the sanitary sewer system. It does not, the pumps More. are not pumping uh, the um, sewers. The, uh, it, it's a sanitary sewer pump, pump station. station. Yeah. However, you know, that wet weather impact Whatever is goes in there, sure. influence it as it gets into the wet well and into the sewer network. And but it's not affecting, it's not, the, it's not, it's there's not no pumping of the related. storm sewers. It's not storm sewer related. Okay. okay. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Any other comments? Just need you to come. Um, George Quarter at, I uh, live at uh, 4309 Moreland and across the street from the pump station. And in 1986, uh, Dr. Klein and I sandbagged that uh, pump and kept it in, kept it in operation through through the storm. <coughs> and the flood waters in the river were higher in '86, but uh, last last uh, the, the most recent flood, the <coughs> the water levels in our basement, we had no problem in '86, but we had problems in. More recently, even though there was less less uh, water in the in the Titabawassee River, and uh, I, my my thought was that there's been a lot of uh, <clears throat> dead trees, the ash trees that come down, and I was wondering if the the blockage that uh, is can visually you can see in the Snake Snake Creek is <clears throat> causing causing uh, uh, reducing the flow flow that uh, comes down the down the creek. And also blocks off the uh, the uh, <coughs> uh, where where the the uh, creek goes under the roads and so forth. Thank you. Yeah, I think just to clarify a point, George just made that's that's not Snake Creek, that's Stony yeah. Creek or the yeah. the Inman yeah. yeah. Drain. Yeah. Good. Okay. Any other comments? Okay. Thanks, Selena. Would you please read the resolution? receives and files the storm and sanitary sewer study final report undertaken as a result of the June 2017 rain and flooding event. We have a motion to accept the resolution. So moved. Second. Okay, we have a first and second. Okay, discussion. I think it's a good report. I think one of the things that has me thinking is after all this study, then they're asking us to study more before we know what we need to do. And I think, you know, as we move forward, there has to be a balance there. Because we can spend all our money on um, monitoring and metrics and everything else and not make any progress towards resolving the issue. Yeah, I think by the nature of my questions, I think the, the concern I've got, they've got obviously priority one, priority two, phase one, phase two, but I would like to see as a council us push to the those actions that would First of all, keep the water, whether it be sanitary or storm, out of people's homes. I think that ought to be our priority one. And then we can deal with the other. I mean, the, all these things, flooding in the streets are all issues, but I think in terms of just what we attack first really ought to be, you know, the protection, just like we do for fire and, and police. I mean, it's really to protect people in their, in their homes. Um, I think the infrastructure is no different. That ought to be our, our first priority. Any other comments? My only thing would be is what they've given us is basically blanket concepts. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that we can actually go into it and check the different areas and everything like that, say this might be better for this area, this might be better for this, this area. 
and uh, so it's going to be a conglomeration of the different ideas. Um, so we always ask a time issue about how much longer is this going to take. So, you know, Joe and Brad, this is kind of a question for the two of you. As we move forward now, you know, we're giving this back to you for you to come to us and say, Here, here's what we're going to do. So how long, when do you think that might happen? I think a, a lot of it has to do with um, how prepared you feel to, to make a decision. Um, our staff can certainly bring uh, our perspective and recommendation to you. Uh, we can do that within a, you know, a month, month and a half, if uh, to adequately uh, give our support. Uh, and then again, it's, you have more information, you have our perspective, uh, and then it's eventually there's decision time. Um, it, this, I, I look at this as more of a, an open discussion along the way uh, to, to kind of help you get down to, to where you think you need to be. Not necessarily uh, we put a concrete date that you have to make a decision. Right. And we in, intentionally left specific date, dates out of the executive summary. Um, first revisions when we were working on the executive summary had dates in there and it's like, well, it all depends on when you start. So you can't say, we're going to go from March to whatever date to do a certain thing when we didn't start until February, February or, or, or later. So there are time frames on certain things to get done, but it all depends on when you start. And um, I think when we come to you with the recommendations, I, I, I think it'll be fairly clear, I'm hoping, that uh, the direction uh, that you may want to take. Really is, is the mayor's asking, they're turning it back to us as staff, when will we come back to the council to start that process? How long they take to make a decision obviously is in their hands. But Yeah, well, it, we can put uh, our recommendations together, you know, within the next few weeks. And so I, I would suggest probably in a month, uh, in October perhaps, uh, to come back to you uh, with, with our take on this, on this report. Okay. So specific date, I mean, I, we can put it. Okay. I, I think you made a good point. This is an ongoing conversation. This isn't, you know, there's lots of decisions that need to be made along the way. And, of course, in plans on really how, how do we fund whatever decision we're going to, you know, we're going to choose. Those are, those are big issues that we, you know, need to be thoughtful about. But as Steve said, and he's right, you know, we value safety. And this is about safety, personal safety in individuals' homes. And you know, that's what we say is you know, important to us. And so therefore, you know, we have a, to make sure we think about that as we continue to move forward. And we understand that there's constraints. We do. Under, I think that's pretty clear when you're talking about millions of dollars that you know, we have to figure out a way you know, what we can do and you know, how to move forward. So. And we want to make sure that that, that money spent is actually going to have its right. uh, desired impact. And, and so when we're talking about further study, uh, that's to really define the, the recommendations that are made a little bit further. The recommendations are the recommendations, but the actual sizing of those uh, capital improvements may be bigger or smaller based on how much water we can get out of the system and, and identify, you know, hone in basically on what we really need. So, Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. I have a question. 
So or for Brad? Jill or for? Oh, actually, no, no. for Brad. Okay. <laughs> How does all this fit in? Because we are going to have budget planning. We have those sessions. Is this going to be incorporated in the whole big picture of everything? Yes, <laughs> is the short answer to all of that. We, as you mentioned, we do have uh, public engagement uh, mm -hmm. workshops actually coming up in mid-October. I think the 16th and the 24th of the dates, and we will, amongst many other matters in terms of looking at budget priorities, I'm certain that mm -hmm. this will be at least a portion of that discussion. Um, all of that said, I think it's, it's pretty obvious that we need to address this in some manner, and so what we'll be looking at beyond just those public input sessions certainly is what funds we have available to us now, what looking ahead a few years, how do we see having funds available to us, and then, of course, the funding options that both Tom and Greg were mentioning. I think Diane, you asked the question, you know, about what is these what do these projects cost? They had a couple really high level, yeah, you know, numbers. I think what, what I you want to see it broken down to, right? if we do this, right. what is that going to cost over here, and what is this going to cost? Right. Because it's going to be kind of like a menu, and we're going to have to pick and choose, <laughs> you know, and prioritize. Mm -hmm. I think right. you know if you talk about. We'll pick on Sturgeon Creek for a second. That's parkland. That maybe we adjust the budget for Parks and Rec to take to do that or maintain that somehow. Right. You know, other things when you talk about footing drains. Well, that's more mm -hmm. of a, a homeowner issue. And if you talk about storm sewer doing the pipe, maybe that's a, a broad citywide <coughs> funding issue. So I think we got depending on which project, we're going to have different funding mechanisms that we have to consider. And then will we proactively start looking at hmm, what grants could be available that we can apply for? Yes, kind of <laughs> okay, Any, anything that we can get as far as financial assistance on this, we certainly will be investigating and looking into. And if there are grants that particularly meet the need of what we are trying to do, uh, we will make the efforts to go after those as well. Good. Good. Any other discussion? All right, then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Thank you. That passes 5-0. That takes us down new business. Any new business, Mr. K? Uh, actually, I do. Um, one I forgot to tell you about before, but we do have openings on both the Planning Commission and the Zoning Board of Appeals. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have a total of five applicants between those two. There's either two or three positions open, um, but we would need and look for, I suppose, volunteers to sit through the interview process for that. Okay. So typically that would be two council members. Okay. Planning Commission. Okay. I'm open for that, too. Okay, Diane. You want us to do both of them? Or? Yeah, we, we can. I mean, there's five. five. We can probably do. Want to do both? Sure. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Well, yeah. then, okay. Right. There's only one applicant for zoning. I think yeah, you said. Four, yeah. four planning four. commission, right. one zoning board. Okay. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you. Appreciate <laughs> that. Any other new business? All right. Can we have a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. All right. Any discussion? All in favor, then please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right. We're adjourned. This program is presented by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland, Michigan. This presentation coincides with programming on Midland Government Television, covering government affairs in the City of Midland.